This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. When the world is going haywire, especially when it comes to trade and especially when it comes to the United States and China, what do we need? Paul Sweeney, we need a double shot of Stefan Seelig. That's what we need. Managing <laughs> we partner for Bridge Park Advisors and, of course, former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade at the Department of Commerce during the Obama administration Joining us on the phone from Long Island. Stefan, how the heck are you? It's been a while. Uh, it has. I am uh, fine, Jason. Good to hear your voice. Um, and please uh, pass on my regards to uh, Carol, and good to talk to you, Paul, as well. I will uh, I will certainly do that. Thanks for joining us. So um, i got to ask you, I mean, since we last talked, which was probably a month, six weeks ago, you know, U.S.-China relations, I feel like, have taken a turn and a turn and a turn all downward in in many ways. Where are we right now? Well, I think you're quite right. I think the relationship with China needs to be described as one under increasing duress, with the dynamic of the relationship only getting more challenging. And, you know, in our conversations in the past, we were largely focused on, you know, the trade spat that we had with China, which the current administration largely viewed in the context of our bilateral trade deficit, primarily in manufactured goods. But in the recent weeks, um, we've seen that really become, um, or that conflict become expanded and take on a number of different fronts. And the technology war has um, uh, come really into focus from Mm -hmm. more than just cyber theft, and um, uh, intellectual property issues to just last week, as you know, the FCC labeled ZTE and Huawei as security threats. And now we're also faced with a number of ideological um, issues coming out of China, and those are being manifest um, in the recently imposed Hong Kong security laws. And of course, um, the uh, issue with the Uyghurs uh, in China, and our recently just passed Uyghur, um, the Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act, which was signed into uh, signed into law. So, um, not only is it deteriorating, Jason, I think it is becoming more complex, and the tensions are taking on a number of different fronts. So, Stefan, I was talking about this very topic earlier this morning, and the guest we had on challenged the premise I had, which was President Trump was primarily responsible for this increasing tension between the two countries with trade war and tariffs and rhetoric. And this guest pushed back and said, no, it's actually President Xi, uh, in his opinion, that was kind of instigating uh, the challenging tensions between the U.S. and China by China asserting more aggressively its presence economically, militarily, and not, not just in the region, but globally. How do you view that how we got here. Is, is there any blame to be put around here? Is it equally shared? Now, Paul, I think um, it's a mistake to ascribe blame to um, any individual or any leader. And I think this really is a function of certain structural issues that are much more important than um, any one um, uh, individual. And so if you, look at the trade, if you look at the trade issue, it is primarily a function of the fact that China after, um, after being accepted into the World Trade Organization, still remains a state, a largely state-controlled economy um, and has limited market access for foreign companies and supports their, a large portion of their economy um, from the state, one. Two is, if you look at the technology issues, China, in fact, has very little 
um, flexibility here. They are going to have to, they cannot rely on the U.S. and the West for technology. If they're going to move up the value chain and avoid this so-called middle-income trap, if they want to continue to grow wealth and prosperity uh, in their country. And, in, and as it relates to the human rights issues, boy, you know, the Communist Party, the Chinese Communist Party has never expressed a real interest in human rights. And we've seen that, you know, for generations and as recently as Tiananmen Square. And so none of that should come as a surprise to us. So I think all of this predates Xi, predates Trump, and is fundamentally a reflection of two different systems that are largely incompatible. So, Stefan, Hong Kong, how big of a deal is that both in in economic terms and financial terms, especially when it comes to our core audience, as you know, being being Wall Street, but also as a marker in the evolution of China-U.S. relations? You know, I think China would not be behavingly would not be behaving as aggressively with Hong Kong as they have been if they didn't believe, certainly from a Chinese perspective, that the economic fallout would be limited. Because they do look at the management of their economy as a core competency of the Chinese Communist Party, and obviously they're facing similar sort of pressures coming out of COVID. So um, uh, I don't think they view these Hong Kong issues through an economic lens as being. Um, uh, highly problematic. I think from our audience or your audience's um, perspective, you know, boy, you know, this was inevitable. Um, We knew it was going to happen. We just didn't know it was going to necessarily happen this quickly. But I think more than anything, it points out that the Chinese view about the rule of law, because don't forget, they had an agreement um, that they entered into um, uh, that this exact, this sort of thing exactly wouldn't happen. But their, their view of, about these sorts of agreements, I think, is not going to be particularly vertical, and they are going to continue to behave in a way that is in their narrow best interest. So, Stefan, in the last block, we were chatting about China as it relates to rising tensions with the U.S., uh, trade, tariffs, uh, Hong Kong. I'm going to talk about the economics of China right now. Uh, obviously, the days of double-digit growth are gone. I think the printed number that they want you to buy into is a 6% kind of GDP growth. Really give us a sense of where you think China is over the next couple of years in terms of its ability to grow its economy. Well, look, um, China is clearly slowing, but they were slowing from you know a, a very rapid uh, growth, and they will continue to be uh, you know the engine of Asia. And so, you know, I do think the most interesting question for China is going to be their ability to move from a manufacturing infrastructure-based economy to a more consumer-based economy, which is, um, you know, and has been challenging for a number of uh, developing economies. But that will be the key and clearly what uh, the Chinese Communist Party is focusing on to get to the next leg of growth. So, Stefan, got to talk deal-making because... We had Uber um, do a deal. We had, you know, Mr. Buffett pull something off. We've had some activity when it comes to M&A. You are ultimately a deal maker. How's it feel out there right now? You know, uh, Jason, it's, it's, it's muted for sure. Um, I think deal activity is likely to be concentrated in certain sectors, and those sectors are largely going to um, align with those sectors that are doing well. You know, right before you had me 
back. Um, one of your commentators was talking about record highs of, in technology shares and in the NASDAQ. So you could imagine whether it's Uber and Postmates or other similar companies that there will be uh, enthusiasm for deals in those sectors, but I don't think you're going to see you know, broad-based broad deal-making activity across um, uh, the more cyclical part of, parts of our economy. Stefan, I know you've spent some time in your career on the TMT space, technology, media, telecommunications. Boy, we're seeing an industry that's just been disrupted, the traditional media business, like you've never seen, all, you know, I guess you know, culminating in the Walt Disney Company buying out most of Rupert Mur Murdoch's uh, News Corp. Do you ever expect the big technology companies, Apple, Google, Facebook, to ever jump into the deep end of the pool and get into the content side of the business? Um, you know, boy, um, who knows? You know, those particular buyers have unlimited capital. Um, uh, um, you know, those six companies that you're referencing make up something like 20% of the overall, overall market cap of our entire equity markets. And a lot of those traditional media companies in certain sectors are obviously facing very challenging um, times. And so you could imagine, um, you know, real deal-making activity in that, in, in, in some of those areas as, as those companies look to take advantage of depressed valuations uh, across the sector. And how's Wall Street feeling right now, Stefan, just before we let you go? I mean, beyond just deal-making, you talk to a lot of very senior people on Wall Street. We're talking about kind of going back to work-ish. Um, what's sort of the, the mood at, around the, the Wall Street community? You know, I think it, it pretty much mirrors what's happening in the overall economy, which is a mood of um, uncertainty and some instability. Um, I think people really don't know what the new normal is going to be. I think to some degree, um, because the markets have outperformed the real economy, there's um, some, uh, if not enthusiasm on Wall Street, there's, there's, there's certainly not um, panic. Uh, you know, the fixed income markets have been highly receptive to capital raising throughout this coronavirus uh, pandemic. Uh, even in those industries that are uh, facing some significant challenges. And so I think um, in terms of Wall Street, um, people are expecting less M&A deal-making activity, but a pretty robust financing calendar, both on the equity and on the fixed income side, to keep folks busy. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. All right, Stefan Seelig, great to catch up with you. Uh, always a treat. Stefan Seelig is Managing Partner for Bridge Park Advisors and a former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade at the Department of Commerce during the Obama administration. He joined us on the phone from Long Island. 